Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. He's Pat. I'm Rajan. And while we weren't able to record this podcast episode right after yesterday's loss by the Washington football team against the Los Angeles Chargers, we definitely weren't missing the first recap podcast of the 2021 NFL season. But Pat, um, even though we're recording this a day later and definitely not in the circumstances we would have preferred in terms of the on-field results, uh, we actually didn't get a chance to chat that much just because you know we both had you had plans on Sunday evening and I was doing the usual thing on Sunday evening and then you know Monday's a work day. Uh, so given all of that, I'm definitely curious to hear your opening thoughts, kind of jumping right into everything as far as having been able to sleep on it, if you will, how do you feel about this game and what were the biggest things that kind of jumped out to you um, 24 hours plus later? I'm actually really glad we didn't record after the game. Yeah. Uh, I'm a lot more calm and uh, had a few too many beers during that game. The The game itself, I think there's, I think two things, I've said this last year a couple of times. I, I think it fits this narrative too. I, I think there's two truths to this game and that's okay. Uh, one, I think the chargers might be pretty good. Um, like Herbert is, I mean, he's the real deal. Dude's got a rocket laser arm. He makes all his reads. Um, he also has a pretty good supporting cast around him. Their offensive line was terrific. Um, and with Derwin James back, their defense is now intriguing too, I think. And as long as they get competent coaching, which it seems like they have with Staley now, I think the Chargers might be a pretty good team. So that's okay. The The other truth that though is like our defense – has to be the backbone if we're going to be any remotely good and it's kind of a weird game because you look on paper we won the turnover battle and we held a pretty good offense only 20 points so you think okay the defense did their job but then obviously the the stat that's made all the rounds is 14 of 18 on third down is just so unacceptable and the two plays that really stand out to me on defense that were kind of like microcosms of why we lost to me both involved john bostic he was awful yesterday. Not awful. I mean, so, I know, so, I know so, you, so bad. I know you've been on that, that choir for a long time, but yesterday he was, I think, exceptionally bad. The first one, it was second and 20, and we had whoever caught the ball dead in the rights to make it like third and 12, and Boston just bounced off, and the guy ran for like nine, 10 yards, so set up third and short. The other one, obviously, is Jared is, Cook. The other one is the third and 16. Um, that was obviously the backbreaking play of the whole – I mean, is it – the backbreaking play is when Gibson fumbled on three, but third and 16, we're about to get the ball back with four minutes left. All of our timeouts only down four. Heineke had a lot of mojo going at that time. Um, so the game itself, I think the charges are pretty good. The defense didn't particularly play that well. The coaching gets an F for me. Uh, I thought it was Ron's worst game as a coach so far. Um, and I think I, I, I'm not less excited than I was before the game. Like that's why I'm glad we didn't record uh, right after. I'm st I still think we have a chance to be a decent team, but in order to be good, that defense has to figure it out and figure it out quickly. And step number one is getting curl on the field. He only played 37 snaps and McCain played 65. Like curl. I don't understand why curls not on the field more often. He, he flashes every time he's on the field. Um, so those are my thoughts. I I'm excited for Thursday. I'm very excited for Heineke. Um, if nothing else, we'll finally figure out what we really have. Uh, but, you know, if we're going to be good, defense has to play better. But I also like – I think Herbert might actually be the really – he's the fucking real deal. 
I mean, he's really good. Borrowing your two truths can be true at the same time, Mantra. I'm very, very much in line with everything you just said. So I'm going to say one thing to your point about Justin Herbert. That was one of the best quarterbacking performances we've seen against this team in a while. Like in a, he was outstanding. He wasn't good. He wasn't great. He was incredible. Uh, I was trying to pull this list up. If I would say of all the quarterbacking performances that we saw yesterday, or we saw in week one, let's just call it week one as a whole. It was Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. Unfortunately, I have to say it. Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and Justin Herbert. That was the top five performances. I know people are going to say you have to throw Jameis Winston in there because he had five touchdown passes. I, I don't buy that. It, it was like 170 or 140 or something like that. I feel like that was an outlier. I feel like the Packers shit the bed in a way that a team hasn't shit the bed in a long, long time. Uh, that was just a horrific, horrific game. Speaking as someone who has Aaron Rodgers on his fantasy football team. Um, I'd watched that game ripping my hair out profusely. Um Justin Herbert was incredible. And I think somebody made this point. Uh, I apologize to whoever, because I'm not trying to take credit for your insight, but they're like, you can do whatever you want to. You can dream up whatever scheme you want to. You can coax prime buddy Ryan out of the grave to come up with a new defense for the 22nd century or whatever. Right. You can't defend the perfect throw. You can't defend lasers that are delivered in the one place where defensive backs can't get to it. And, uh, and, and the receivers can't a few of those throws. I mean, the, the one towards the end where he beat when he threw it to Mike Williams, where St. Juice was all over Mike Williams. How do you just can't stop that throw? I don't care if you're, you know, they picked on Daryl Green. He did pick on St. Juice. We'll talk about that. But I don't care if you're Daryl Green, your prime or name cornerback X in your prime, like Hall of Fame cornerback X in your prime. You can't defend those throws. And I think in certain cases, like Herbert was on fire yesterday. He played exceptionally well. We were able to slow him down the second and third quarter, which is when the, the momentum kind of changed until, as I 100% agree, everything changed. I mean, everything changed on the Gibson fumble. That that was just the gut punch. It was, that was the knockout punch. That was, you know. And obviously, obviously, neither you nor I were at the game, but you could tell the crowd went just like dead silent. And it just sucked every – it was – that was being a Redskins fan. It was like, oh shit, here we go. Yep. That's what it was. Uh, But to your simultaneous truth thing, um, I think the Chargers just has simple, whether you want to call it, we got outcoached, which you're not wrong. I think the Chargers had an excellent game plan. I think that they, they, they exposed us for lack of a better term. Um, You know, entering this game, there was some hope because you made the point about the new coaching staff. There was some thought that people were like, all right, well, it might take some time for, um, the new defense under Brandon Staley and first-year defensive coordinator Ronaldo Hill to kind of come together. We might be able to catch them in some inopportune situations. Uh, their first-year new offense under Joe Lombardi, formerly of the New York, uh, New Orleans Saints, you know, they could have some initial, like, wrinkles to iron out. It was quite the opposite. They looked well-oiled. They looked like they knew exactly what they were doing, and they had a very cogent plan in terms of attacking how to beat the team we, the team as constructed as we are. And I think on the flip side, we came out with a very vanilla, basic, unoriginal, un, no ingenuity game plan on both sides of the football. On offense, there was nothing special. There was no creativity whatsoever. There was nothing that even showed that you put a modicum of thought into how we should attack this defense. And on defense, I mean, I, I just, what the fuck were they doing in many, many cases, right? The only thing that seemed like an involved thought was overthinking how many snaps certain players should play. And that it was thought in the wrong direction. So I agree with you. I think we got beat by the better team yesterday 
but it was also a lot of self-flagellation. I actually just, I, I thought Ron was bad. Um, I was annoyed. I am annoyed with the defense because we, we just kept rushing four. I, I only remember a couple of blitzes and we just weren't getting home and Herbert, I mean, to his credit, he gets the ball out pretty quick regardless, but like there's only a few plays where he was remotely uncomfortable. Um, and I think he was able to really settle into a groove. I think that was part of the reason he was so good. Um, and that Slater dude just totally took Chase Young out of the game, like completely. Like Chase flashed a couple of times, but for the most part, he was non-existent. Sweat was noticeably absent on multiple drives on third down, which I was like, what the hell is going on? There I was way it too much. I thought it was hurt in the first quarter. Way like, too much James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill for my liking. Way uh, too much of them. And the lack of curl – Curl's speed and playmaking ability, I just feel like he's got it. Like, fucking sub out Boston and just put him in linebacker. I know it's not probably the right move, but like, just do it. Um, so the defense is, I don't, we didn't really ever make any critical adjustments on defense. Now, maybe, maybe Rio did. I just, we just didn't notice it because Herbert kept carving us up. I'll give Scott a little bit of benefit of the doubt because. His, you're right. His game plan in the beginning sucked. Like the fact that we didn't target Terry until two minutes left in the f- second quarter is just like so stupid. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure Logan Thomas got a target there. I did like though how he wanted to get uh, Gibson the ball. Gibson had 20 rushes. I was very pro that. But I truly think in order for our offense to be good, Terry has to be the vocal point. Um, because it'll he, he makes everyone better. Like it'll open up lanes for Gibson if the threat's there. Uh, and I, we definitely, there was definitely some sort of switch at halftime because Heineke came out first drive in the second half and was five for five. Terry had that hit three targets and that sick catch. Uh, he was able to isolate Thomas in the, in the red zone for the, for the touchdown pass. And then literally every drive except for the fumble Heineke moved the ball. So like something clicked that or Heineke was fucking shovel passing to, to Terry for seven. I love that. Oh my that God. That was such a Brett Favre play. Um, so I, I don't know how much of that is just Heineke being kind of like, fuck it. I mean, it's street yard ball. Let's go out there and sling it around, which I think a lot of it was. Yeah. Fitzpatrick never seemed comfortable, but I think he eventually would have gotten there, but he just, there's something that we were just never clicking with him. Although to be fair, the amount of times we went Cosme on an Island versus Bosa was stupid. Oh man. Uh, don't get me started. I, I have no problems with I my issues aren't as much with Scott because I, I, I liked what he was trying to do. And then when Heineke came in, the offense opened up a lot. My biggest problems were with Del Rio because it didn't seem like we made any sort of adjustments or ever really tried to get Herbert uncomfortable with different looks. Um and Ron punting on fourth and seven was pretty horrific. F. Earned the F. <laughs> uh so those are my thoughts on the coaching. Brown will get better, but like Heineke had all the confidence in the world. We were moving the ball, and then we didn't touch the ball again. Game over. The one, so the one thing that everybody, even you, have been commenting about, some people have been screaming about, and very vocal about that. I was kind of a little more um, uh, rational about, or a little more reserved about the whole Terry McLaurin thing. I get it. I, I wouldn't take nothing away from Terry McLaurin because Terry McLaurin's incredible. And if you have truly an alpha dog receiver, they're always open. I mean, they threw it to Keenan Allen when Keenan Allen wasn't open because Keenan Allen's always open and you just want to get the ball in his direction. Again, I, I referenced 
he they threw the ball at Mike Williams, who is not the caliber of receiver that Terry McLaurin is, because you just you you put the ball in play for your best receiver and 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 let him make a play. I specifically believe, and I haven't watched the all 22 or whatever, um, that the Chargers came in with the game plan of like, you're going to beat us with somebody else besides Terry McLaurin. I would love to go back and like really watch it because I, I strongly believe they shaded coverage. They basically took away Terry McLaurin. They're like, throw it to anybody else, fully knowing there was no Curtis Samuel in this game. You know, Adam Humphreys, he, he was what he was. De'Ami Brown's a rookie. Logan Thomas, maybe they'll live with him trying to live with us beating him through beating them through him. Uh, but I strongly believe that at least early on, they did everything they could to be like, you can throw it to anybody else, not Terry. And I, I don't have any, any true um, like data or any, like any film analysis to back that up, but that was my gut suspicion. And I'm even, even though that like the amount of times that Jackson was, was fairly well covered, still got the ball. Like you still just got to throw Terry the ball. Like he catches almost everything. He gets his no disagreement there. No disagreement. And that's why also, I said, Kim like, Sims only played two downs and he had a 15 yard catch in one of those two downs. Where's he? It was, it was just, it was a wonky game plan. It was like, it was almost like they all outthought themselves or like they just, they got way too cute. I don't know what it was. The word I kept that kept glaring in my head through the rest of yesterday evening. And even through this morning was just frustrating. Cause it's like, you just, it's, I want to be clear that the chargers to your point, And we said this, they were really, 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 really good. And uh, in our, in our season preview podcast, me and my friend, John, were both like, this is a nine or 10 win team. Um, so I don't want to take anything away from there, but it just a lot of this felt like self-flagellation. And then just like, I don't know, getting cute or, or just doing dumb things. And like, that was just so frustrating about all of this. I wonder if, if, I've noticed Ron is multiple times in the post game and today was like our, our defensive line missed assignments, missed assignments. I wonder if sweat and young were going off script and it pissed Ron off. I, I have no, I've not seen that anywhere. This is me just spitballing. spitballing. Yeah. Uh, but he said multiple times, like there were too many missed assignments. Our young guys, you know, did X, Y, and Z. And then you see how often Sweat and Young were coming in and out of the game. I wonder, like game on the line, third down. Chase was, Sweat was off. Sweat was, Sweat, was, off. Sweat was off in the first quarter and third down when they were in the red zone. It's like, why aren't they our best players? Why I, think, they- I think on the third and 16, Sweat was off. It was one of the two was off. You're, right, you're 100%. Maybe it was Young. Maybe I, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yes. But like that can't happen. I don't think he was particularly talking about the front four as much as he was talking about, about the linebackers. I think he was talking about the, the, uh, the back seven. I think he was talking about the back seven. Oh, the uh, um, yeah, it was, it, it was just really, really frustrating to watch. And, um, you know, the defensive scheme kind of segueing into that. An- another person made um, a great point. Again, credit where credit is due. I'm not trying to take credit for their thoughts. Um, we're basically where the Chargers were like, look, uh, we know you're going to come at us with your pass rush. And, we're going to design a game plan going back to that point where we're going to attack. We're going to create confusion in your back seven. And we're going to attack that confusion. And I think they executed that extremely well, going back to what I was saying earlier, right? Like they're like, look, we know you're going to come at us with your front four, your front five, or however you want to put it. Um, and we're going to do everything we can to a get the ball out quickly, which they did a lot. There was a lot of throws where Herbert just basically, he's like, First read, I'm throwing it there because I know that's where the hole in the defense is going to be, and that's where the hole in the defense was, uh, whether it's by game plan or whether it's just by the nincompoopery of our own team. And, um, I mean, that was basically how 
they went out and they were like, look, you know, we'll, we're going to find the gaps in your defense. We're going to attack you. And then I think the more telling comment was, I'm sure you've seen it because I made this run on social media, was that Keenan Allen post-game clip where he said to Chase Young, he goes, if you play me man on this third down situation, it's game over for you. And they played man and it was game over for Washington. Now that's trash talk, but I think at the same time, that's kind of telling. Well, that third and 16, I was, I was annoyed because one, obviously Allen catches the ball 14 yards downfield and there's no, nobody within five, four yards. yards of him. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, annoying in itself, but what, probably annoyed me the most is all game. We look, our D line is great. I'm not going to say they're not because of one semi bad game. The chief, the chargers line did their job. Sweat had that strip sack, which I'm not really sure was a sack. Um, you know, sweat had, or young had a couple of nice plays. Allen had a sack. Like they flashed at times. Pain was his normal. Like if you come near me, I'm going to swallow you. They only ran for three yards of carry. Like, the D-line, for the most part, did its job in that room. I know. I just had a couple of blow-ups. Um, but at the same time, we sat and just relied on four-man pressure all game, and Herbert was able just to chill. So in that third and 16, I don't understand why we didn't, like, run some stunt with linebackers just to get the ball out. Like, and not let him sit and, and be let, comfortable. And let everyone come up and rally around him. Instead, we just sat back fucking 20 yards away. And they pick it up with ease. Like there wasn't even any – I could have made that throw. That's how open he was. No, he granted. was he was wide open. Now, granted, and, I don't have the arm strength to get it there that fast, but I could have made the throw. And to your point about Bostic, um, one of those animated like where everybody – what everybody did on the field. He goes the opposite direction. He goes in the wrong direction. He goes and God, takes the flat when there was a corner. For someone who – Exactly coaches, what you're talking about. It's the coaches – Always talk about, oh, Bostic's always in the right place. John Bostic's always in the right place. He was in the wrong fucking place. He was supposed to take, he was supposed to bracket Keenan Allen and be the underneath guy and make it so that a perfect throw was the only way you could get to Allen. I think it was Curl who was on the top and uh, it was supposed to be Bostic underneath to basically take away uh, Allen. And he goes and he vacates the entire scene. It was a wide open throw. I mean, yeah, if you could throw the ball 48 feet, 50 feet, you could have made that throw. I mean, I know I could have made that throw. It was a joke. It was absolutely time, awful. But I could have made it. Maybe with the tennis ball. But it was it was just just awful. And I think it, you know, I'm, it's I know. it was a perfect summation of the game. Third and sixteen, they get they pick up sixteen yards with ease on third down to a basically clinch the game because then they just march for four more minutes down the down the field. You know, there was you could have turned the the narrative going back to the Gibson fumble right before that, the narrative could have turned in the fact that like, you know, they had that 16 play drive or whatever, and they only walked away with three points. And you're like, okay, great. Bend, but not break yada, yada, red zone defense clinches up. We have a, we had a top five red zone defense last year, whatever. Right. And then it was what 13, nine at halftime after Taylor Heineke, like, you know, got us right down the field. Thinks that stupid. Um, that, that, that pa- roughing the passer that Which, was not that was, roughing, that was, the that was not roughing the passer. That I was a horrible call. At time, I was like, Heineke would come in and we'd just go right down the field. The officiating across the board, it's pretty typical. It's week one. We always complain about this for the first month of the season. The officiating yesterday in multiple games, not just the Washington game, in multiple games is awful. I mean, just like, it, you know, these guys could have been wearing blindfolds and they could have made the same level of plays that uh, calls that they made in so many cases. It was just some really, really bad officiating. The, the, Gibson face the Gibson face mask. I mean, good Lord, the guy was right in front of him. 
I mean, his head, you know, he did the exorcist thing in that play. And it was like, and they, and they still didn't call it. It was a joke. The face mask they called on him was lame. Uh, The fumble on Justin Herbert, throwing it out of the end zone. That was a forward pass. Oh yeah. That was a four. He's literally right here. (laughs) I I sat there scratching my head for a solid three minutes. I'm like, that was one of the worst. If I was on the wrong end of that, I would just be absolutely losing my shit. I mean, that was very clearly a ball being propelled forward by a forward moving arm. I have never seen someone throw the ball in a fumble forward 20 yards down the field and be ruled a touchback. It was awful. What's funny about that is I have to watch the game through Sunday ticket. Yep. Which I unfortunately pay for because it's one of the single worst like applications possible. Like, please, God, somebody come and buy that and then redo it. You know, Amazon's Amazon's Amazon's, Amazon's sniffing, right? It's still going to cost them a couple billion, though. Probably. Um, I hope they buy it because, God, it's never mind. Another conversation, another time. It's so bad. Anyway, I'm behind in the game. So when I'm texting with my buddies, uh, I was like, (laughs) I was like, there's no way that stands. And my buddy Smalley, who's ahead of me, just goes, if you believe, it's a fumble. And I was like, Oh shit! I, <laughs> I can't believe they ruled that. I mean, there was some. Uh, there was a couple of really, really terrible calls. Um, I'm just like the face mask on Gibson, the, the one where he actually like gets called for a face mask. Like, what's he supposed to do? Yes, yeah, that was on, the other one. Stiffed on the shit out of Derwin James. <clears throat> and they're like, "Well, he grabbed the face mask," and I'm like, "One, no, he didn't. He and two, was- that's called face mask. I mean, that's called a stiff arm." Yeah, he, dude, he terrible. Also, that single play is the start of the downfall because the next play we get stuff for two yards then sure false starts then once hopkins hits 50 yards that's a guaranteed miss it was just like (laughs) it's funny how that one thing dominoes but um also why can't hopkins hit a fucking 50 yard field goal like he's money 40 yards in you get him into 50 he hates the five yeah i don't know man Let's go to the to the Brandon Scherf thing, specifically more on the offensive line. Uh, Scherf had a couple of backbreakers yesterday in terms of penalties. Otherwise, whatever. Scherf sucked. Let's um, just call it out. I think the offensive line was nothing to get excited about as a whole. I don't think there was anything particularly noteworthy. Um, and in going back to the comment you made earlier, if you want to talk about game plan again, uh, whether Chase Young was lined up on Slater or whether he was lined up on Bulaga, if you notice – a tight end or one of their running backs going out to the flat almost always chipped one of our pass rushers. Almost always. Do you know how many of our running backs chipped Joey Bosa? Because if you carry the three and do a logarithm, it's zero. It never happened. We put Sam Cosme on an island against Joey Bosa, and Bosa ate his lunch for the first half of the game. It, it, it was. I mean, Bosa eats everyone's lunch, to be fair, but he needs he needed help. It, it was just bad. I mean, Bosa looked like fucking Reggie White in the first half. Like, I mean, uh, Bosa's really good. He's like, very he's good. He's, he's excellent. Gonna, he's going to hit most people. I was surprised that we kept leaving Cosme on an island. His I'm, get-off was incredible. It was just uncanny how fast he was off the line. I didn't think he had that gear off, off the line. Now, which he might have because Heineke may have had to keep it pretty simple. I'm not as going to be as critical of the offensive line as, as I know you want to be or, or kind of are. I am critical of Scherf, though, like – we're paying you 18 million. You want 20 million. Uh, and you're supposed to be the bedrock of our team. And Ron made a curious comment the other day about how he still wants him to be a foundational piece to our franchise. And I was like, 
like, dude, how are we going to, we can't pay. That's not going to work. Uh, but Sheriff yesterday, amongst the line itself, these numbers, here are the, here are the lines, right? So Leno allowed one hit and one pressure, and that one hit. And... Yeah, you think? Uh, I, I think I remember that one hit and one pressure. No, no, that one, uh, that one hurt. <laughs> Eric Flowers played great, gave up a hurry and a pressure. But no hit. fine. Ruye was his. The interior sure. of the line was fine. Sure, he was insurance steady stiff. You to the right side, and Cosme was terrible. One sack, one hit, two hurries, two four pressures. But again, benefit of the doubt here. First game against Bosa, that's tough. Then you get Scherf. No sacks, no hits, but he allows two hurries. He allows two pressures. He has a holding penalty that stalls an entire drive, and then he had the false start that basically pushed us out of field goal range. Uh, well, pushed us out of Hopkins field goal range. Hopkins field goal range, uh, not real field goal range. If it was if it was forty nine, we were good. Like <laughs> um, Scherf has to be perfect. He really does. Uh, if you're making that much money and you're not agreeing to sign a long-term deal, like as a fan, this is a fan podcast. I'm not here to give a PFF grade as a fan. You got to be the leader and perfect, especially when you have a rookie right next to you. And he wasn't. And that pisses me off. It was, um, you know, like it wasn't like we were dead in the water by any stretch. Like we couldn't move them off the line. Like, you know, Gibson has a couple of really good runs and that that was facilitated again by the line. Anderson ran the ball well on his two touches. Yeah. Um, Although. Minus the hold. I'm going to get there in a minute with Patterson and specifically Washington fans reacting. Um, uh, But it was, it was, I, I, Ben Standing bumped this part of his column back up. And then I think a couple other people chimed in where they were like, you know, this offensive line, like you could see Taylor Heineke sooner than you might think if, you know, with the way or the lack there of protecting that they might have with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that turned out to be rather prescient uh, considering the circumstances that happened. And we all know the situation with Ryan Fitzpatrick, which we'll get to shortly. Um, I don't know. I, I still feel like it's a little bit of the elephant in the room, but um, hopefully I'm just overreacting to that. And to credit where credit is, credit is due, it was funny. Mark Bullock, uh, friend of the podcast, he's much more bullish on this line than we are, no pun intended. Uh, like he was like, you know, he's like, they're fine. I think it's a little bit, of, he's like, you know, they're deeper. They may not be quite as good as an upside, but they're still plenty proficient. So for what it's worth. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I'm going to be really hard on Scherf now because he can handle it. He's been in the league for seven years as an all pro. Uh, I would think he'd tell you he needs to be better. Cosme will get better. I mean, the Giants don't have anyone as good as Bosa. Uh, Not as good as Bosa, no. On that D-line. So I think he'll be better. You know, uh, uh, what's his fucking name? I think Leno will get better. Leno actually played pretty well. I just (laughs) – that one snap, he just – crushed pretty much Fitzpatrick's I think there was a there was a miscommunication on the block or something like that because clearly I think he was trying to veer outside and Nuoso it might have been a pass off that that screwed it up because Nuoso completely cut inside and just obviously laid out uh, Fitzpatrick Uh, but it definitely came in from the inside gap versus like beating him around the edge or something like that yeah I I don't know and I think Ruye I mean Ruye is steady Eddie uh I am sitting here waiting for my guy, Sadiq Charles, to start playing. He's, He's a healthy like, scratch yesterday, wasn't he? He was. That's not terribly surprising. That happens, no. a ton, I think, on game day with Lyman. 
especially Ron and then on the 53. But I think he's Ron likes him. He's sitting there baking. Uh, I'm except I think he'll be an important piece at some point. Yeah, like when Sheriff leaves. But <laughs> that's right. Uh, I will say something that's interesting about Heineke. Uh, Heineke, I think, will make our line better because he can move. Yep. Um, I mean, there's multiple times yesterday where he moved in the pocket. He scrambled a couple of times. He scrambled to make it fourth and seven, which I was like, that was smart. You just bought us an extra town. <laughs> and then we punted. Um, but I think Heineke will make that line better. I, I was surprised how starchy Ryan Fitzpatrick looked yesterday. Like he looked stiff. Like he was 40. He, he, he looked stiff. He looked hesitant. He just looked generally uncomfortable in every sense of the word, right? Like it was, it, I'm like the the first two, I grant it's just preseason, but the first two preseason games we in New England and, and Cincinnati, he was light years better than what he looked like yesterday. And I mean, in San Diego's defense wasn't, uh, San Diego, the Chargers defense wasn't that good. And like, he just looked completely out of funk in so many different ways. And it wasn't surprising to see the 180 when Heineke came into the game. Cause that's Heineke in an essence, in essence, right? Like he's just a, he's a, he's a, you know, lightning bolt. Like he's a, he's, he's a, microwave he's offense. A more mobile Rex Grossman. He has a lot of Rex Grossman fucking up there on the long ball it. moments. He you says, know? fuck it. I'm throwing. He came in first two passes, second and third down, both balls well over 15 yards in the air. Now, granted he missed pretty badly on both throws. The fact that he came in and they were just like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I was and like, okay, here we go. He tends to throw high, like we saw that on several passes. The the touchdown pass to Logan Thomas, that was a YOLO pass. That, yeah, that was, was also, a that was he, also a dime. It was a great throw. He lasered, it was also high. Thankfully, Logan it. Thomas is six six. Uh it was in between two guys. It was high, and it was in the proverbial place where only Logan Thomas could go get it. I mean, that was a dart. Right. And uh, the shovel pass, man, that 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 got me out of my seat as much as anything yesterday. The two plays that got me like jumping out of my seat. One was the shovel pass and two was the William Jackson interception, which ultimately turned out to be meaningless. Um, like yeah, those were turn it over the next play. Exactly. Like that was those are the two plays where I was the other like, one for me was Terry's catch along the sideline was sick. I, I, I couldn't believe that. I was like, when, was when, when they're like McClory caught them, like, what the hell are you talking about? I thought about? the guy picked it off. I mean, there I, was a that's flag what everybody and- thought. There was a flag, and you kind of knew what the flag was right away. You knew that guy probably interfered with Terry. So I was like, ah. But then he, then Terry had the ball, and I was like, no way. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's 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 impossible. That's why you got to throw in the ball, whether it's covered or not. Just fucking throw it to him. Uh, but going back to Fitzpatrick, like I, it was very strange. Like that was not the Fitzpatrick we thought we were getting in any way, shape, or form. Like. Heineke came in and played what we or gave us what we thought we we're going to get from Fitzpatrick was a lot of just, you know, that uh, microwave offense type of player. And it was just very, it was very weird to see. Um, and it was nice that Heineke was able to inject some life into this offense. Obviously we wish it was under different circumstances. So to that point, um, you know, we're obviously recording this on Monday evening by now, almost everyone's heard the fact that Adam Schefter has reported that the injury in what should be no surprise to anyone is about a six to eight week injury. Um, as soon as it happened, my gut told me that this is going to go through the bye week, the week nine bye week. I was like, more than likely they're going to hold him out. And if they have any aspirations of starting Pat Fitzpatrick again, this season, I don't know that to be the case for sure, but if they do, um, 
more than likely it would be after on the other side of the bye week. That was just, that's the way I felt about it. Like right when it happened, I am no doctor. Um, and that continues to be what my thoughts are, are in this general situation. Yeah. I feel for him. He was so excited. The amount of times he said like, this is the perfect situation. Like I finally have a good defense, you know, team has a little bit of momentum. It's a winnable division. We think, um, so I felt a little bad for him, but like at the same time, we've seen Heineke three times in all three times. I've been like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. Right. Like it's something I keep coming back to. I was like to borrow a line from stepbrothers. I'm like, you're like a combination of Brett Favre, Tom Brady and Jesus, you yeah, know? Like, Oh my God. Carr just threw a pick on the four yard line in overtime. Vintage. Uh, I can't believe they even had to go to overtime for that game. Uh, it's a it's, it's six seesaw game. Tucker kicked the field goal with 40 seconds left, and the Raiders had no timeouts. Carr got him down. They kicked the field goal. Carr threw what was supposed to be a touchdown pass. They ruled he was down on the one, and then he just hit uh, his receiver in the hands, and it went through his hands, hit the ra- Raven in the helmet, it bounced in the air, and they got picked. Um, we've seen Heineken three, Heineken three times, right? So we saw him in Carolina. Uh, which was kind of a breath of fresh air simply because like Haskins was such a disaster. Um, but like the narrative after the game was the Panthers knew they were going to win. So they sat back and prevent, and it was just easy for Heineke. Essentially. I keep wanting to call Heineken Heineke. Um, Close enough. Then obviously the playoff game, which if you live under a rock, like that's the only way you don't know how magical Heineke was in that game. That's single handed. I think he's the highest QBR rating a quarterback's had since like, RG3's rookie year. Uh, like he was, he was incredible in that game. The only blemish he had was the pick, which wasn't even his fault because the ball got deflected the line of scrimmage. And remember how many drop passes he had in that game, too. Yeah. Looking at you, Cam Sims, first drive. Haven't yeah. forgotten. Um, I know Cam Sims made the catch in Pittsburgh to help us win that game, but he also didn't catch the ball in the playoffs. I still remember. Um, so you have these, and then obviously, obviously, you and I did a podcast that night and we were both, I mean, I was really tuned up. I had like a lot. That was probably the most I drank in a football game in a long time. I was just I was ready to anoint him. I was ready to be like, let's do it. I'm in. Obviously you start realizing, okay, this guy's a journeyman. <laughs> Everyone calm down. But then he comes in yesterday and after and every report I've read it from training camp was like, Fitz won the starting job for a reason. Right. There's a reason that the competition never really happened. Uh, but like, William Jackson after the game was like, he didn't even know Heineke's name. He was like, Yeah, the QB came in. Guys got some swag. Right. And it was just like the whole offense like took a deep breath and was like, let's go. And not only that, um, John Kime has alluded to this several times that if you watch Heineke in practice, it's no competition. Like it's no competition between him and Fitzpatrick. But he's like, But man, you put him in game day, just something different happens. Right. Or he's like, he's just, it's that term. I hate, I hate sports cliches, but it's like, he's just a gamer. He's just a different dude. When you listen to the podcast today, I didn't, I I was on my queue, but I didn't get a chance to do so. He has a second one that came out just about Fitzpatrick and Heineke. It's like 15, 20 minutes long. I didn't see that. I not the one he did with Bram or the, the, that one I did. I hadn't get a chance to listen to it. This is the second one. Yep. Uh, I listened to it after work today and it's short, but he has Nikki. What's her name? Nikki uh, Javala. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He has her, and she. They're just talking about like Heineken. Heineken. Damn, I keep calling yep. Heineken. Heineken. Uh, yep. Uh, 
And she's, he's like, so like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, do you think he's going to be successful? Like, she's like, I don't know. Like, you know, he's only made a couple starts for a reason. You see him in practice and Kime literally chimes in and he's like, yeah, but like, how can you not be intrigued? Because every time the bright lights are on, he's shown up. He plays, he elevates himself. I The one thing that continues to terrify me about Taylor. Oh, he's going to get hurt in like three weeks. It's his, it's the, it's his durability. That's it. It's durability. If he is in the position he is, or he found him, he's in the position that he found himself in, like being out of the league and taking online classes, being a couple away from weeks away from retiring his football career solely because he is slight of build. Right. And he's small. We, we saw what happened when Leno missed the block and that guy, you know, Nuosu just, you know, obliterated Fitzpatrick and literally blew his hip out of place for a hot second. Right. Fitzpatrick's a bigger dude than Heineke. And, and for all the gamerness of Heineke, like, I don't know if he's going to be able to get up from that. And to his credit, he took some pretty good licks against Tampa Bay, but even when he was doing that, we're like, dude, can he get up from this? Like at some point, even Rocky Balboa has got to be down on the canvas, right? Like, that's that's the only thing that I I keep coming back and to. So he like, sprained he sprained his MC joint against Tampa, and they were telling. Remember, Mon, Montez was warming up on the sideline, and I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> never good when your third string signed up, your emergency COVID quarterback is your last hope." And you're like, and you see the guy that's been on the team all year warming up, and you're like, "Oh no no no, bad news." Uh, like I am so this is the reason I'm still excited about this season. We got a short week. We got to beat Danny Dimes at some point. It's at home. Hopefully there won't be sewage bursting pipes all over fans. Uh, but like we finally get a real chance to sit down and like no bullshit is Heineke's team and we're going to get an extended period. Now, look, is he going to be the same quarterback when every NFL coordinator can sit there and game plan for him? You know, we'll find out. That's the most is- important thing. They have two games. If you count a little bit against Carolina, you count most of the game against um, – the chargers and then the Tampa game, there's two games worth of tape on him. Now. I think that's a big thing right now. He is not a wild card anymore. There's tape on him. A defensive coordinator is going to be able to kind of quote unquote game plan for him. Yeah. No, Lamar. I'll be on a short week for this week. Uh, I think it's short week's going to benefit him because they won't have as much time to game plan. Also agree. I feel comfortable with the fact that like, if, this had happened last year and like Dwayne got hurt and we we're going to have to roll out Kyle Allen. Like with so much unknowns on a short week, I'd be like, Oh, we're fucked. But the reason Heineke was signed in the first place was because like, they were like, we don't need to, we don't need to teach you the playbook. Nope. Dude knows it like the back of his hand. Yep. So he's going to roll in. Clearly confident. showed against Tampa. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a confident kid. And like, he may go. Oh, and six as a starter. Dude's never won a single game in his NFL career. Right. He's played in four games. All four games have turned into losses. But, like, I'd rather this happen now so we know by week six or seven what the season's going to be and what Heineke is. Because, like, what – like, dude, you know how many people have said this kid could be Kurt Warner? Like, prominent people? Let's find out. I think the Kurt Warner thing is blown out of proportion. It's very – I don't just, give a shit. It's a lazy narrative. I need narrative. something to hold on to. I what? need to believe. It's exactly that, right? Like, you know, if nothing else – He's going to go and whether it's a train wreck or whether it is Kurt Warner 2.0, one, you want to see what it is. And two, you know, he's going to give you whatever he's got because he has no fucks to give either. Right. He's not supposed to be here either. He even says, like I have, 
I'm just out here. Like I shouldn't be here. I'm just going to go out there and ball. Right. And, and that's kind of what, like when um, in the playoff game, I, the, the comment I love the most about him with the playoff game with like Chase Young was like, yo, you know, you got swag or whatever. And he's like, and, and, and uh, Heineke was like, yo, this is what I do. Right. Like, this is how I roll. And I'm just like, man, the guy, he has some cojones to him. If nothing else, right. He's not going to play scared. He's not going to play starchy. He might, you know, he might throw the wild throw. He might throw the ro- throw in the wrong direction. He might make the wrong decision, but you know what? He's going to f- go YOLO with the ball. And I'm okay with that. I'd rather that than. If we you know, finished eight, and nine, nine and eight, and Fitz played the whole season, I'd probably be like, mm, all right. If we made the playoffs, like, okay. But you, after that, after that Tampa game, Bay game, like the whole fan base is sitting there being like, who is this guy? And this is not the, not the best way to look at it, but it's how I'm going to choose to look at it. If we were ever going to find out about Heineke, we may as well do it right now while there's still hope with the season. So if he tanks, then like, okay, we're we're lining up to get a quarterback. We know that. Everyone in the world knows it. We're going all in on a quarterback. If he somehow comes in and kind of semi-balls out, not saying he's the quarterback of the future by any means, but like now we know, hey, we got something here. And maybe we maybe do try to do a stopgap again next year with a real competition. I don't know. I want to take a quick left turn on the quarterback thought for a second because – I, I want to address the, the stupidity of uh, Washington fans. Um, if you ever want to really confirm the ubiquity of stupidity, go to John Kimes tweets and read the responses to anything he tweets, anything he tweets. It is the most mindless brain dead drivel you will ever read in your entire life in terms of football stuff. If you really want to just, like I said, lose all your faith in humanity, go read the responses there. But just to kind of highlight a few excerpts or kind of talk through a few excerpts um, from the quarterback position. One, no, Cam Newton is not a good idea. Let's stop. Just just do everyone a favor. We signed signed, uh, fucking Shermer. Kyle Shermer. And that was probably, not probably, that was a better decision. Look, I like Cam Newton. I've always respected his game. But in his 2020 stats, he was 30th in QBR, 35th in yards per game, and 20th in yards per uh, yards per throw. He threw eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He himself said he was not the same quarterback after COVID. This guy's taken so much of beating over the course of his career. You think that's the answer? You think a guy who's sitting on the street right now is just for some reason just sitting there waiting for us to sign him and no other NFL team is going to be like, yo, we should sign Cam Newton. And we're the only ones smart enough to be like, we should go do that. He's on the couch for a reason. He's not the answer. And Washington fans need to stop. That's absolutely patently ridiculous. We need to stop with that. Ron's also not signing someone that's unvaccinated. Great point. Fantastic point. Number two, no, this week is not the time to go out and throw four first-round picks at Deshaun Watson, given that whole legal situation he's in right now. The I amount of people a bug about Deshaun. There's a bunch of people who are like, "This is why we should have trade. We should trade for Deshaun." Well, what are we waiting for? We should go deal with Deshaun. No, you're an idiot. Could you imagine uh, a headline? Ugh, franchise, God. franchise. Everyone's gonna be like, "Same old Redskins, same old Dan Snyder." All yeah, of those types. Redskins of with checkered women pass trade for a dude with 24 allegations of sexual assault. Uh, there was one other quarterback who everyone was clamoring. You see RG three campaigning for himself. Oh God, that was. And I bet you there's some segment of Washington fans who are going to be think it's a good idea. I bet you there's some segment out there like, well, look how good he was in 2012. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't 10 years ago. Um, I, I bet you. I told, oh. 
I told my wife, I showed my wife his like Instagram post. I think it was his tweet of him. It was his uh, Minnesota game, which admittedly it was one of the most awesome times ever. But I showed the tweet and she was like, wow, he's desperate. <laughs> which he is. She is 100% right. He is. He is so thirsty right now for, for anything at the moment. Yeah, there was one other rant I wanted to go on about the, about the quarterbacking position, and um, but I, I lost it. But anyway. Here's, here's what I need to know. Taylor Heineke, the goat from Old Dominion, from right down the street from where I grew up, about to lead us to the promised land. If anything, I bet you – I will say, I don't know how good he's going to be, but I, I do think we beat the uh, Giants. So the Giants are coming off a really ugly loss against Denver. Um, I don't remember what the final score was, but the final score was not nearly as bad as the game was otherwise would otherwise tell you. Um, I think one of their last touchdowns, I'm pulling up the score. Yeah, so their final six points were actually garbage time points. It was basically a 27 to 7 game. Um, they just stunk uh, their offense. This is an important game because their offensive line stinks. Uh, they have exactly one good defender on their defense uh dexter lawrence a defensive tackle is very 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 good outside of that i'm not sure there's uh james bradford bradbury uh their cornerback is really good too but that's about it this is a defense that we should be able to move the ball against uh saquon barkley is not he is not 100 percent by any stretch of the imagination anybody who watched that game would be very is well aware of that and once again when the light shined the brightest uh daniel dimes um turned the ball over i so i think we're gonna finally get over the hump I mean, they've beaten us like five straight times. God, it's uh, got to happen. Dear Lord, it's got to happen. Um, I think we finally get over the hump, mostly because I think the defense will just play a lot better. Um, but I honestly, I think the Giants hate their coach, Judge. I think they hate him. I disagree with that. They, for some reason, like him. I think they love him. Uh, I don't think he's a good coach. I just uh, think he's yeah, I think they hate him because after the game, he was very critical of the players. Like to the point where I read his quote. Maybe, I mean, I could have been reading out of context is on Twitter for very possible. Uh, but I got the, the way they came off. I was like, damn, he's like, the players must hate this guy. If you want the coach that the players might hate, uh, he is a redheaded quarterback from Princeton. You may have heard of him. He might, there may have been made a bit, might've been an NFL narrative about how the former Cowboys coach went to Princeton. You may have never heard that mentioned ever. Uh, Jason Garrett, that guy, other people have said, including myself, maybe the, yeah, the clapper, the worst <laughs> offensive coordinator in the NFL right now. That's that's a uh, that's that's quite the title. I I really think that. So the game's Thursday. They're wearing they're wearing their blue jerseys. So I wonder if we're gonna rock all white. Um, under the lights, I think Chase. I think Chase is gonna be pissed about his performance. And I think he's gonna have a big game. Um, I think overall the defense. I think actually he is gonna have a big game. I think Payne just wrecks that that line. Him and Allen, I think they wreck them. The interior is a mess over there. Um, and I think ultimately, I, I also don't think Barkley is healthy. He's um, definitely not healthy. Um, and it might take him a little while. So, and we get him on a short short week, which is good. So I think we win that game. Uh, it's a matter. I'll be very curious to see Heineke, how he plays, because you know we go right into. That's where I was going to go. The schedule does not get fun. I mean, I know. I think it's Atlanta right after that. I'm looking it up. The same pulling it up. My internet's being slow at the moment. Of course, we might need it. I think it's the Bills. Yeah, it's it's an unpleasant game. Yeah, it's the Bills. It's in Buffalo. <laughs> and uh, I know they just lost to Pittsburgh, which is a uh, thankful thing. I actually thought Pittsburgh played pretty well. 
They didn't turn the ball over. Defense looked good. But, like, we're going into Buffalo. Into Buffalo, and then the Atlanta game was right after that. Atlanta's not a good football team, which anyone can tell you. Then there's the Saints, take what you will from Sunday. And then the Chiefs, you know, just them. And then the Packers, again, take what you will. Uh, I don't, that's not the Green Bay Packers. Denver's going to be really good in Tampa Bay. So, hey, that's fun. We basically have to get to December 500. We do that like the division's ours for the taking because our last five games are Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. When is the bye? It's week nine, but when is week nine? Or Ten or something, maybe nine, somewhere in there. Anyway, it's um, that the meat, the, the meat of that schedule is, oh, it's just absolutely miserable. Uh, it's right between um, Halloween and the first weekend of November. So it's the, between the Denver and Tampa Bay game. Oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, welcome back. You're going to play Tampa Bay. Have fun with that. Um, We're not going to see Fitz again this year because Heineke's going to ball out. You know, that's the other – oh, I was going to say – Speaking it into existence. The age or whatever, but that's the other part. I mean, with Heineke, if Heineke turns into Kurt Warner, then, you know – Heineke find... turns into Kurt Warner, then we have the cheapest great quarterback ever. Yeah. You won't find two happier people. All right. I think we can put it on that note. Um, Taylor Heineke being the next Kurt Warner is a, is a great place to kind of wrap things up. Uh, thank you for everyone. Thank you to everyone for listening. Um, we're growing our subscription numbers on YouTube very slowly. And I got my first comment. Uh, I got my first you're a hater comment on um, one of the post videos we posted this week. So I felt really good about that one. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nothing that it wouldn't be told already. Um, but definitely uh, we'll hope, hopefully we can do this. I'll stay up late enough to try to record this right after the giants game to really capture the raw anger and emotion Um or the joy of victory, assuming we do beat those godforsaken giants. Uh, but until next time, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.